You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Oh, <laughs> I've called this series um, The Gonic Literature, Recovering Lost Gems. Uh, and tonight's presentation really doesn't fit that title as much because the piece that I'm going to get us involved in from the, the Adagonic literature is actually something that was quite well known. It circulated quite a bit and still does in a way because uh, it has relevance to one of the major issues of our day, which is uh, whether one uh, can abort a fetus and what which leads to a deeper question is what is the status of a fetus at various stages of the pregnancy? And uh, there is a, a section of one of the most important pieces of Gonic literature, which is from the Sefer Halachos Gedolot. And we, of course, have talked about that. in The Shiltos, or was it after the Shiltos that we talked about last week? But we know that we're talking about uh, sometime in the 8th century is what we're talking about. And we're talking about a collection that was had a tremendous amount of significance. It was studied, uh, unlike the Shiltas, which, which every single um, section of it is really a combination of drash and halach, as we saw last week. The Bahag, other than that intro, and about the mitzvos, which is which was what the Rambam was shooting his arrows at. Most of the Bahag is pretty dry halachic iterations, um, and um, somewhat similar you know, in many ways to the Rif in terms of using Talmudic language, using Aramaic, like which would be standard. Um, but we know that the work uh, was passed around and added to, and. It is quoted uh, in cre- a, a very large amount, I would say more often than the Shiltos. Uh, the Bahag is quoted quite a bit. And I'm going to read to you um, a, a piece of the Bahag. Uh, it was, there, there was manuscripts, and uh, there was two basic manuscripts. There was a, uh, a Xaviad that was... Um, there was one that was certified, circulating, uh, the one that the printed edition was. And then there was uh, a, a manuscript that was found in the Vatican, which was known as Xaviad Romi. And that was somehow came to the attention of the great Talmud Chochem scholar extraordinaire, Rosh Hashiva Posek, really the sort of alternative to Rav Shamshan of Hirsch, Rabbi Israel Hildesheimer. And he, one of his major contributions was his painstaking um, uh, copying over this manuscript and printing the Sefer. So we have the Berlin edition of the Bahag that we'll start with as a Swiss to the great Rav Azriel. And we're going to really see some other editions of it and see what it tells us about this question of how we view fetal life. So. Let's take a look, shall we, um, as we uh, check out the Bahag. So this is an Hilchos Yom HaKippurim. So the Bahag divides his book into various sections, and some somewhat towards the way the year works. Perhaps we'll, at another time we'll talk about what was the logical order of how the Bahag uh, wrote his book. What, what's important to know is that the later editions of the Bahag, or, or actually the ones that were printed later, um, shuffled around his order and changed it so it would be more in line to a standard standard svarim. But but the words themselves are pretty consistent in the four editions of the Bahag that I'm going to show you today. So let's take a look. On Yom Kippur, we know that you're supposed to fast the whole day, more than 24 hours. But but where there is an ill person, if he doesn't eat, he will um, he will be in danger. Shapir dummy 
Now, that term shopper dummy, I don't know if I have a good explanation of it sounds like, okay, uh, if he wants to, we could fast, but it's also okay if he eats. Shopper dummy, it's good for or to feed him or for him to eat. Shopper dummy, no, you, you have to force him to eat. You have to tell him, use whatever positive persuasion you can to get him to eat. So I, I'm not sure exactly if I have an answer to why he writes that that way. We know that there were some Rishonim who, who insisted on fasting, even though it was dangerous for them. But I don't know if that's what we can imply from the Bahag. But anyway, my time. Asher Yasel Sodom Bechai Behem. That's in Parshas Achrimos. Bechai Behem Behem. You don't die for doing the mitzvah fasting Yom Kippur. Hmm. The Bag explains. Ki koma rachmona kaime mitzvosa. Keep mitzvos ki heichi de tichyun behu. So you can continue living with them. Avuneture mitzvosa, but keeping a mitzvah viestakune and being in sakona lo. Now, vichi machlinon le. When you feed him, alpi bikiyim. You should feed him based on a doctor who knows, someone who's, if not a doctor, a nutritionist, someone who's familiar with the human body. Meaning that it should be someone who looks at him objectively and says, hmm, this man needs to eat. But, Now that is also somewhat problematic because that seems to imply that a person's demand to eat, according to the Bahag, is only uh, considered the uh, prime rationale only when there's no doctor attending. But if there be a doctor attending, you ask the doctor. Almost as if to indicate, and again, this is a little bit problematic based on the Gemara, that you might believe that if the doctor contradicts him, you might not feed him. And here, Hilda Scheibner went out of his way to give you the Nikud here, because Hilda Scheibner was a stickler. And he said, it's not Ubra Shehiricha. It's, in other words, which is the, the, the way most people read that word. The Mishnah already mentions this woman who's pregnant and says, and, and, and every single yeshiva person will read it as ubra, right? A woman who um, smells and therefore uh, gets a, a, a tremendous pang uh, for what the food is, you feed her. He says it's not ubra. The way to read it is, as you can see, Avara, Avara, someone who's pregnant, Avara. She's someone who has a, a, a fetus inside of her. But look at the way the Bhag writes it. Diadana, that we know. Dilo Ochla, Miss Aker Vlodo. If she doesn't eat, Miss Aker Vlodo, the baby will uproot itself, meaning she'll go into having contractions, and the child will not stay in the womb the way it should, but rather will be uprooted and leave the womb prematurely and not be able to live because the child needs to stay longer in the womb. In other words, what we would call an abortion or the fact that the if the pregnancy did not come to term. So the Bahag right away says that if you know about this avora, that if she doesn't eat, that there's going to be a problem here of the losing the child. Hmm. Even though we will say Now, what does that mean we're going to say that? Meaning, when does this occur? At what stage in the pregnancy? Probably in a mid-stage, an earlier stage. We don't know if the child is going to live. We don't know if the child would have 
come to term and lived. So in other words, keep food in her system. So like bed rest, so she shouldn't have contractions. She should, she should eat. And this way she'll carry the baby longer. But you don't know that that baby that she's carrying is going to live. Maybe that baby would die. Maybe even if she carried it to term, the baby would die. Shaper dummy. Again, shaper dummy It's still fine to give her the food for Ochla and then she'll eat. And the Bahag proves this from the Tanya of Roshahiricha, Basar Kodesh, or Basar Chazir, Tochnla Kush Birotev. Abraisa says that if a pregnant woman smells meat, but she's not allowed to eat because it's meant to be a chattas eaten by Kohanim. She has no right to eat it. Or she smells Kansas City barbecue or Memphis barbecue. Pigs. I grew up in Memphis, the bus ride that took us down Summer Avenue. Every single block, <laughs> there was these little pig feet in neon because, yeah, there's, that's that pig barbecue. And she smells it. So what do you do? You take a, a stick and you put it in the pig juice. You put it in the kachim juice, meaning that it's already in a way diffused. The pig or the hectish has been cooking, but it's not the actual essence some of it has been diffused into the liquid, which is not seemingly as uh, di- as significant as the actual meat. Okay, then you take the stick, which is wet, and you put it on her mouth. If when it's that's if that's good enough, she doesn't have the pangs anymore. That's fine. You see her pangs are continuing. You give her the liquid itself, not just a stick that has a little bit of that liquid and that wood taste somehow on her lips. You actually let her open her mouth and you actually pour the, 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 the gravy into her mouth. If that's enough, we take the actual pig meat itself or kutcha meat itself and feed her. Nothing stands in the way of saving a life except those three things. Idolatry involved in a licentious act of sex with one of the, one of the arayot or murder. So here's the question we had before. If the Chola says he needs and the doctor says no, then we're going to listen to the Chola. Of course, Suffolk Nefoshus of the Gemara says, Bahag quoting the Gemara, I might think when the Chola says he needs to eat, he is taken by some sort of Madness, a, 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 a frantic anxiety. Mi biute, who de komavis. He's nervous. Sovereigno, He thinks that maybe if he doesn't eat, he'll die. Kamashmon, we say no, that we believe him. That what he says, it might be fraught with anxiety, but it really does reflect the truth about where he is. So we would believe him against the doctor. What about the chesed? No, I don't need to eat. And the doctor says, you need to eat? Again, the Gemara's question on that is, of course, that's something. So once again, we say, I would say maybe the chesed knows, like we just said a sentence before, so we know what? We force him to eat. Maybe we even tie him down. And we say, no, we don't want you to die. So why did he say he doesn't need to eat? Because we assume, since the doctor is here telling us he needs to eat, his statement is 
He is irrational. He somehow believes that he's been taken by some sort of slight madness and he's saying things that are rational, but of course he really needs to eat, and that is the halacha. Then the Baha gets into the, to the question about if it's one doctor against two. So there he says, you're going to go with two doctors and not one, etc. Okay, so the question here is, is that what is the issue when it comes to the woman? The Bahag mentions a chola, and the chola, there's a way to indicate that the man himself could die. But when the Bahag speaks about the pregnant woman, he seems to be only concerned with the child. He doesn't seem to think that there is an issue no pun intended here, about the mother. So we see that you're allowed to do an Avera, as it would be, in order to save the fetus. So that is really what it seems the Bahag has presented. The Gemara itself does not say that it's about the, 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 the fetus alone. But that is way the that is way the Bahag seems to have learned the Gemara. So what do we make of that? Rav Azir Hildesheimer mentions that this piece of Bahag is Huva Besefer Torah Sa'adam Raman, the great Nachmanides, doctor as he was, although not, as I said, not on the league with the Rambam, mentions this Bahag, he brings it, U Maharitz Geus. And he also mentions that the Maharitz Geus brings this Bahag. Vuhu love. And the Maharitz Geus disagrees with this Bahag. Ayin Veperish Yitzchak Yiranein. Look in the commentary called Yitzchak Yiranein, which was Rav Zelig Min Bamburger, who was another great hero of German Jewry. Unfortunately, we've sort of been um, jaundiced in a way that we know about Hirsch. We don't know about the other great German Rabbonim of the time, Rabbi Israel Hildesheimer, Rabbi Zelgen Bamburger, who actually, both of them had their issues with Hirsch and his uh, opinion of how an Orthodox community should be shaped. So I'm going to take Israel Hildesheimer's advice and look at the Maritzkeus with you. The Maritzkeus is Rav Yitzchok ben Rav Yehuda ibn Gayut. Gayat. Gayat. Um, now, as you can see, he was born in about 1038, uh, which makes him... Um, very close to the age of Rashi. Um, he's considered from the second generation, second period of Rishonim. In other words, very close to the period of the Gaonim, as you can see here, um, that he was connected to the famous Rav Shmuel Hanagid. He was born in uh, Lusana. Um, and he Right, as you can see in, and you can see that he was a bucky in philosophy, in Mado, in sciences, um, and Rashmul Anogid, the famous leader of Spanish Jewry, he was very close with him. And as you can see, he was a posek as well. He was one of the great people of his time called Yitzchok um, and he said that he brought into Spain an, an analysis but look what it says here in the Wikipedia article which is different than the riff who kofaf atzmo ligaonim he was he felt subservient as it were to the gaonim he, unlike the Rif and the Rambam that we mentioned last week, the Ritzgeus is saying, no, um, he says the Gaonim are just like the Gemara. And therefore he brings a lot of the Gaonim. He says, if you compare him to the Rif, the other Yitzchak, 
right? He cared about the Gaonim, but the Gemara was the most important one. And he says the Ritzgeus and Rabbi Yitzhak Albalaya uh, argued with the Rif. Um, um, and he basically did not appreciate the work of the Rif because he felt that there might be, uh, uh, the Rif had rejected too much of the Gonic material. Now, as you can see, he also wrote a book that had Piske Halachos. And as you can see, as I said before, um, the Sefer that he wrote is called Meir Sha'arim, not the community in Yerushalayim. It's called, right, they call it Meir Sha'arim because there's a hundred different uh, chapters, so to speak. Um, so, and he says over here that the the part of the Ritzgeus of Seder Moed came out as a book called Share Simcha and Rabbi Yitzhak Dov Bamberger, as we said before, wrote a commentary on it. So the Ritzgeus is really, in many ways, someone who has preserved and fought for the Gaonic um, influence in our time. And in many ways, he was going against the grain of the young people, but he was definitely more conservative in that way. So what did the Ritzgeus say about this Bahag? So let's check this out, shall we? Let's look and see what the Ritzgeus says about As you can see here, the Ritzgeus uh, and, and Rav Baumberger made sure that whenever the Ritzgeus was quoting something, he put it in bold letters, Yershalmi. Here he goes, Halachot. That's the Bahag. Rav Achamishabcha. That's the Shiltos, as you can see. In Hilchus Yobakipurim, what does the Ritzgeus write? He says, he mentions about this law, about not eating on Yom Kippur, of course. And he says that. Okay, that's the Mishnah. And on that, he brings the Brisa that the Bahag quotes, that you use the stick. And then he says, but the, the Bahag says, the Isha Ubara, the Adinon, the Ilo Ochla, Miss Aker Vloda. And remember, that is something that the word suffix nefel is, was not in the Bahag. The Bahag said suffix mace, but that's what he means. We're not sure if it's going to live or it'll die. Shapir dummy, that's exactly the same way. And then he, quoting the Mishnah, we have the Bahag quoting the Brisa, not the Mishnah. The Bryce, the Mishnah is talking about Yom Kippur. The Bryce is talking about Hectish and Pig. And that's mm-hmm. the end of the quote. Then the Ritzgeus criticizes, interestingly, the Bahag. It's not about what we know. It's not about what we know. It's about, it's, it's about what she's telling us. If she smells it and wants it, we give it to her. And she automatically gets the status of a chola, who the Bahag himself says could demand food, and we will give the chola the food. And she's the same way. And chola, we know that we will feed him with bikiyim. And the Chola says, I want to eat. Even if a hundred people say he doesn't need to eat, we will feed him. Because Levi Dea Morris Napsha. So therefore, the, the, the Ritzgeus seems to have a problem with the way the Bahag wrote his terminology. The Bahag said, we know that she needs it. 
And that the Ritzkeus seems to say that, hmm, it's not what we know, it's what she's telling us. Now, the um, he tells you here to look in the commentary of Rav Zelligan Baumberger. And Rav Zelligan Baumberger says that what is going on between the Ritzkeus and the Bahag? He says the following. The Ritz, the Ipcha, the Ritz, Mekel Yosrim Meha Lachos Gedolos. Meaning the Ritz Gaius feels that the Lachos Gedolos was too machmer. The Lachos Gedolos wrote, Isha Uvara Diadinan, that we know she needs to eat, and if not, there's going to be a miscarriage. That means, what does it mean we know? We know means, Shenachkor Veneda Trilal Pirofe. Now again, the, the Rav Zelig Baumberger brings in the woman, although that's not what the Bahag writes. But the point is, Yadina means we know that there is a problem here. And if you just, we have to know that based on medical uh, examination, that, she, that there is a problem with her. For the baby. That's what the Bahag felt. We have to know. But not without medical confirmation. And on that, the Ritzgeus is saying, no. It's not about a doctor telling us, oh, she's going to miscarry. If she says that she wants to eat, even though you tell her it's Yom Kippur, she, you tell her to give her. She says, no, I want to eat. Then you feed her. Why? Because we know that that is what is occurring if she is hungry. Now, the Ritzke is not getting into whether it's about the mother or the child. The Ritzke is just saying, Anan, it's meaning that her, her statement itself it's her knowledge and therefore her articulation of what's going on with her is enough. So therefore, if she wanted it to her, um, just like a person who's ill, that we know even the Bahag says that once he says he wants it, we feed him. So therefore, his problem with the Ritzgeus' problem with the Bahag was that the Bahag seemed to be more machmir, to say you need to have a, a, a pregnant woman, you need, it, it's different, she's not really in any danger, therefore you need to have a medical confirmation that she's going to miscarry before you feed her, and that the Ritzkeya says you don't need medical confirmation. So that is the area here, but the Ritzkeya does not disagree with what the Bahag wrote about that we're concerned about the fetus. So it would seem that we have the fact that he argues only on that point and not on the second point seems to argue for the fact that a fetus, just the life of the fetus itself, deserves, uh, you, you are able to be mechalel, Shabbos, Yom Kippur, whatever it takes to save that fetus. Okay. That seems to be what comes out from the Bahag and even from the Ritzgeus, who gives his somewhat mild criticism of the Bahag. I now, as, as, as we saw, Rafildersheimer mentioned the Ramban. So let's see what the Ramban says about this. The Ramban wrote a work which we have discussed in our classes previously, uh, which has, was well known by uh, the Rishonim. Uh, but it's not studied as prevalent as his other works on Chumash or his parish on Shas or even his parish on the Muhammad or even the Sefer Mitzvahs. There's a book called Torah Sa'odam, which basically takes a person from illness towards critical illness and death and beyond. And that's really what the, the book Torah Sa'odam is. 
as we know, it's sort of taken from the Pusik and Parshas Chukas, those Taras Adam, Kiyom Muspa Ohel. So basically, he takes a human being and he deals with the laws of, of Bikracholim, the laws of Sakana, and the laws of Misa, Avelus, and all the other things. And the Taras Adam is a primary source there, but it's not a work that is studied popularly separately. Um, and there are incredible pieces in here where the Ramban really shows his stuff. And here is the Taurus Adam on the issue of Sakana. So the Ramban uh, quotes this Bahag, as you can see. Now, Achola on Yom Kippur. And he said that that we feed a chol on Yom Kippur unless the doctors tell us differently with what's called shiurim. Um, and this gets into a question whether this is correct or not. There are people that disagree with this Ramban, but the Ramban bases himself on the Gemara and Krisus that says that when a pregnant woman eats, we give her less than the koseves, which is the shir on Yom Kippur, and she eats it meaning she gets the full amount, but she eats it in, in a longer amount of time, so she never really has that shear in a period that's called achila. So, pras. That's the Gemara in Krisus, and the Bahag that we just mentioned before, paskins that way for a, 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 a pregnant woman. So once again, we have a little bit of an interesting, uh, the Bahag before, we had a little bit of a Kula, and now we have sort of a Chumrah, that the way you have to uh, take care of a pregnant woman is that you give her, you don't just feed her normally. Um, and, and the Ramban says that unless doctors tell us differently, we do the same with any ill person in order to lessen what the iser is. In other words, if he eats a, 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 if he eats a kosevis in a shorter amount of time, then all the, you know, he's in a way violated the big iser of kares, of eating on Yom Kippur. But if you eat it over a protracted period, then that's not called an iser kares. That's just called a, a, a sort of, a, it's called a chatzi shir, a less of an amount. And that's what we would do if, Medically, that is what is able to, to, if she's able to, he or she is able to handle that. That is what the Ramban says, based on another piece of Bahag that we didn't see. Okay, then he quotes the Bahag that we started today's class with. And he quotes it pretty much the way we saw it, the Adinan, etc. He quotes the Ritzgeus. And then he says, Mistabra Kibal Halachos. I think that the Ritzkeus is incorrect. In other words, the Ritzkeus seems to feel that the Bahag is Machmir. No, the Bahag is actually being Meikul. Of course, if she says she wants, we're going to feed her. The Bahag doesn't disagree with that. He says she's like a Chola. But even if she says nothing, and there's no doctor involved, it's not the way that, 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 but we see her. There's no doctors. We just see her in a state where that she wants to eat and her face has sort of changed colors. So we'll feed her because we've seen this enough. You don't have to be a doctor. Everybody's had pregnant wives. Everyone has seen miscarriages happen. They've seen, because he says, which is interesting because remember the words of the Bahag, diadinon. <laughs> so first of all, the Ramban learns in the Bahag that it isn't that we know for sure, oh, that, oh she's going to have a miscarriage. No, we worry about the miscarriage. So the Ramban seems to actually flip the Bahag and all, turn him into even a bigger maker. That first of all, she just she seems like she's something's happening. Something's happening? Feed her. Because it could be she might miscarry. And then the Ramban takes it into the area that we have been dying to get to, so to speak. Sorry for using that term. Which is what? It's because of the baby. Even though 
even though she is going to be fine, you are mechalel, which means the baby is enough. And the Ramban now proves it. So basically, using the banner of the Bahag, the great Dr. Nachmanides takes this further. And he says, we know at the end of the first chapter of Eirechen, the Gemara says, Amr of Nachman Amr Shmuel, Ha'isha, She'e, Yoshfal HaMashber, Umeisa B'Shabbos, Mevi'en Saken, Umekaren Eskreisa, a woman who sits on the mashber. The mashber is sort of the birthing stool where the water, everything's going to break. The water's going to break. The baby's going to start coming out. So she's really already there. But what happens is hemorrhage time and she dies, but the baby's still inside. So what do you do? You take a knife, the Gemara says, in the name of Shmuel, also a doctor, by the way. Mevi'en Saken. And you cut open that belly, and somebody take the baby out. Once she's dead, again, it's a dead body. So, okay, that's muktzah, right? It's like cutting up a dead body. It's not an operation. An operation with a cut, with a living thing, you might say, well, that is actually like an act of like a brismila, where it's sort of like a constructive act. But here, once this woman unfortunately has died in the birthing chair, then all you're doing is just cutting open the skin to get that baby out. So Rav says, what did Shmuel mean? That to bring the knife and carry it, Run with that knife in that big giant street, like Dempster Avenue, maybe, or even bigger, like the Champs Elysees, right? A real Rishus Harabi. So, Michael Majmalan, so what are you telling me? The Sveika Machal in Shabbat, are you telling me that, that there's a Suffolk? I mean, what is Shmuel saying? That if there's a Suffolk, you're Machal Shabbos? Shmuel is the, knows about this principle. Shmuel gave the great Pasik of. The Gemara says about that. That's the whole idea of suffix. That even if you have a, if you have a uh, a cave in, and you're not sure if there's a person there, as we know, suffix chai, suffix mace, suffix goy, suffix isro. We don't know who's underneath there. We know the the, the we know the 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 Brisa tells us, and Shmuel was the one who brought the ultimate pasuk for that. That you do whatever you can to clear a space. You don't even know. You don't even, the Gemara even goes further. We're not even sure if he's under there, but we think he might be under there. But we're not even sure who that person is. <laughs> he might be a non-Jew. He might be a Jew, but he might be a non-Jew. Do whatever you can. So if that has been a principle that's already been enshrined, then why would you think anything different here? Gemara says, you know what, here is different. Over there, whoever that living person was, we know he lived and he walked among us as a living being. He had a chazaka of being alive. He didn't, because that baby has never been really part of this world yet. You might have heard a fetal heartbeat, but it's not called a cheskas chiyus. I would say you're not allowed to be Machal Shabbos for such a being. Kamash Malon, that even though the being has never really been part of what we call our life, there's no Cheskas Chai, still, like the Bahag says, remember the Bahag said, we don't know if this fetus is going to live. You still do whatever you can. So the, Bahag, the Ramban says, I've got a proof to the Bahag from the Gemara and Eirechen. Okay. That shows you that, right, that the baby is considered your Machal Shabbos for the, only the fetus. It's only just a fetus. Now, you have to realize that the case is a little bit different than Yom Kippur, right? And most of you might be saying, wait, it's one thing if you're telling me she's in the fourth or fifth month of pregnancy. If she aborts, she'll be all right somehow. But here, 
where the Gemara in Erechin is talking about she's Yosheva Salamashper, which means baby's coming. Okay, that means that means the assumption is that 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 the gestation has uh, has has, has gravitated to the point to that there's it's like a living living being. It's late 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 stage. So of course that's different than seemingly the case of the Bahag. The Bahag seems to even take it stronger. So this to to. This this sort of supports the Bahag, but it doesn't necessarily uh, say the same thing as the Bahag, right? Yes. Didn't give us any indicator what stage of pregnancy it was, right? Right. It just was, it's going to be, we know there's a fetus and this will cause an abortion to happen, right? There's going to be a, there's going to, she's going to lose the baby, so to speak, Miss Akir, because even in in the second trimester, that could happen, right? The right. woman could go in. The case that he quotes to sort of support is a very late stage of, and, and therefore, even there, the Gemara says there's no chazaka of chiyos, but we're still going to be machal Shabbos. So I, I, I don't know if, that's all I'm pointing out, but you're going to see he's actually going to go even further than what you just said. So let's see. The Avagav de Tnan in Oolos. Now he says the famous case in Oolos, which everybody knows, in Perek Zion. Aisha Mekasha Leiled, a woman who is going through a difficult time in birth. So that sounds like a similar late stage, right? So we actually kill the fetus in order to save the woman. But Yotzerosho, if as the birth is happening, the, it's like the baby sticks his head out, then ain't no genbo, then we leave everything alone. She'ain doche nefesh mipnei nefesh. Hmm. So that sounds like the Eirachin Gemara sounds like it's in conflict with the Mishnah in Oalos. Alma, dimikara delespe mishum hatzalos nefoshos. It sounds like that if the baby hasn't stuck its head out, you don't think about saving the child. It's not nefesh at all. It's not a nefesh. Hmm. And now he throws another proof in. And there's a Mishnah in Nida, Daf Mem Dalid, that says, Tinok ben yom echad, a one-day-old baby, someone who kills that child is a murderer. So what do you see? Hmm. So now it seems to be going against the Bahag, right? These seem to indicate that a fetus is not a gets the rights of a living person. Because you see, first of all, that although once he sticks his head out, it's like, I'm here, man. Then all of a sudden, let them fight it out. We'll see who wins. Right. Now, obviously, if they're both going to die, you're not going to let that happen. But now we're just going to say, okay, we'll see. It's either going to be the baby will die or the mother will die. Well, one of them is going to die, but whatever happens, happens. That's what the Mishnah in Olo says. Then he brings the Mishnah in Nida that says that you can imply that a person's only a murderer for killing a newborn baby, but not for killing a fetus, even in the late stage. Because it's got to be at least it's got to be at least in this world. Hmm. A third proof is from the Torah. The Torah in Parshas Mishpatim says that if two guys are having a fight in a bar, and the guy takes a wild swig, he says, "You take that back, Dimaggio. You don't think Dimaggio was better than Ruth? Dimaggio was the best." And then he takes a swing, and what happens? Of course, he punches the pregnant woman who's sitting in the stool next to him. And she miscarries. So we know, what does the Pasuk say? Kasher Yosha Salav Abal. That you have to, right? You have to pay Tmei Vlados. Tmei Vlados? How do you pay Tmei Vlados? Do you know how you pay Tmei Vlados? You take that woman and you say, all right, uh, and the guy is, the husband is standing there saying, we were trying so hard to get pregnant. Now, what have you done? Ah, my baby. Ah. 
all right, you come to the magistrate, how are they going to pay according to the Torah? What you do is you send her to the slave market and you take and say, okay, um, anybody remember how she looked when she was pregnant? Yeah, okay. How strong was she? Okay. Yeah. Oh, she have a baby too. That's a great slave. She comes into work and soon you'll have a baby and you'll have a bunch of baby slaves. Okay. Oh, now she doesn't, she's not pregnant. What's the difference between the pregnant slave who, oh, I'm buying a pregnant slave. Man, she's, first of all, she's a good worker. She's going to have a baby. I have a bunch of those babies own them too. Okay, what's the difference in price between a pregnant and non-pregnant slave based on who she is and what you know? That's the Demay Vlodos. So the Ramban says, it doesn't say in the Torah when you hit her. It doesn't say whether it was in the second month, the third month, maybe even the ninth month. You just paid to Mae Vlodos. Hmm. So all that indicates that you're not going to call that drunk guy, a uh, guy who kills by accident. You're not going to call him, and according to some opinions, since he was trying to kill the guy who claimed uh, Ruth was better than DiMaggio, if he wants to, the Gemara says, because he's trying to kill him. That's why he has such a roundhouse punch. He's not a murderer. Hmm. Not a murderer. What does he pay? All those things seem to indicate, the Ramban says, that fetus, a fetus is not a, a, a significant living being. So he says, I agree, but the Bahag is still right. When it comes to Shmiras Mitzvos, you will Machala. Meaning, it's alive, but not the status of an actual living person that is now guaranteed all these protections that we will actually protect them to the point that we will kill anyone who kills them. But Torah being nitre, you're machal for that person, for that being. It's a living being, just not a nefesh completely. How do I know this, the Ramban says? Well, not the Pasuk of Vachai Behem that you saw the Bahag quote. Remember the Bahag quote of that Pasuk Vachai Behem? That's the Pasuk of Shmuel. The Ramban says, in order to justify the Bahag, another Pasuk. V'shamru v'nei Yisro es ha-Shabbos, l'asos es ha-Shabbos. We keep Shabbos to make sure Shabbos continues to be kept. What does that mean? The Gemara in Shabbos says. That means, Chalel alav Shabbos achas. Bimachal Shabbos for the future. Shema, look at this. This is not in the Gemara. The Ramban puts this word in. Shema Yishmar Shabbos Asarbe. So, in other words, this is a thing that we know could live, and many do. And although there are many miscarriages, Proportionately, the numbers indicate that pregnancies come to term. And therefore, this being is a being that there's a good chance it'll live, come to term, and eventually live to the point that it'll keep many Shabbosas. So therefore, you need to do whatever you can to allow that being to live. You have this life force that's in this woman that that if things happen the way they usually do, will result in a child that will grow up and keep a lot of Shabbosim. So we're not going to stop that from happening. The Torah wants you to push mitzvahs away, even for life which has not yet become full and complete as a nefesh. Therefore, here's the point, Bob, that I wanted you to, to make out. And this goes against Blackman. Even in less than 40 days, right? Which is early in the, the first trimester. You can't really say, and the Ramban is a doctor new, you can't say that there's a life force there. You don't see anything happening. Right? I mean, we do know. We now know about the cells replicating and growing. We know that. But in Ramban's mind, 
that was not in any way uh, recognizable other than certain maybe physiological changes they knew that were happening, uh, you know, in her breast and her vaginal area. But there was not like, oh, that, that thing is, has life as opposed to later. But the Ramban didn't they, says... Didn't, didn't they uh, find, have dead women or aborted fetuses and, and they didn't know that, that a baby developed in certain stages? I think what they saw was sort of like just a little peanut, right? What they saw was like, like a, you know, good. You're, you're right. They might have cut open uh, women who died in an early stage. And I'm sure the Ramban as a doctor knew what a fetus probably looked like at that early stage. And especially in, in animals. They would have done, they did do that with animals and they could see that there are stages of development. Right, but, but he calls that just like a, a body without any real life. Um. And therefore, he says, but it could turn into that, and in most cases would turn into an eventual human being. And if the Bahag is right, and the Ramban seems to be going with this Bahag, so basically, even in an early stage of pregnancy, you would say the fetus, even before 40 days, you do what you can, pushing halachos away to preserve that baby. Now, some say, now Ramban doesn't say who they are, in other words, now a one day old, I guess, is not a nafel. Right? Because if it was to term, you pretty assume, but it's almost like that thing that's developing, even at four, five, six months, we're not going to be machalim. Oh yeah, what about, what about the pregnant woman? That we that we that we allow her to do averos in order on Yom Kippur, or to eat kachim, or to eat pig. So they say no. There, Shosha demisa didohi. We're worried she's going to die. Why? Because in the Ramban's time, and, and in the Gemara's time, in the Mishnah's time, shekol hamapelas becheskes sakona. Anyone who would miscarry even at the fifth, sixth month, whatever it is, that's a hemorrhaging that is that could lead to excessive bleeding, which is a sakana for any pregnant woman. Okay. If this, the Ramban quotes them. So in the abortion issue here, the Bahag is not saying, and the Ramban, who seems to justify the Bahag, is not saying that the fetus is like killing a, it's infanticide, but he does seem to say that mitzvahs of the Torah are pushed away. And that's what he says. And, and, he, and he's willing to say, even in an early stage, it's not really what we call observable life, but it's life in potential, and we do everything to try to preserve that. Okay, and therefore all the mitzvahs of the Torah are pushed away in order to preserve that life. Okay, so that sounds like a stance that would mitigate against abortions for unless, and again, obviously if we we have a situation where the fetus is endangering the mother, that the mother is has a disease, or the mother can't carry the term, so that would be the Mishnah and Olos uh, that we would actually just de- uh, destroy the fetus to save the mother's life. But other than the life of the mother, it doesn't seem like the Ramban's position would would justify uh, that type of abortion. What, However, Rabbi Kivalevich, what yes, about the Ramban's the 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 second opinion seems to argue very strongly that we don't care about the fetus. The idea when we see in the, in the Gemara and the Mishnah and the Brisa, what we're worried about is the woman. Because a woman who's pregnant, who starts to abort or miscarry, is in danger. Now, the problem with this approaches is that what about the Mishnah the 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 Gemara and Erechen that said that if the mother is dead you're Machal Shabbos to save this child now right if you're telling me that 
a ch- only when a child is born is the child truly alive and gets those rights, then why do you cut the mother open after she's dead and, and bring a, 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 a knife through a shusarabim? So he says, they are taima achrinahi. Why? The kibin shemesa, and he's arguing their side now. Ramban is doing what he always does, thinking about the subject from this other opinion. He might be quoting them. We don't have, Rav Chevelle and others have never been successful in discovering who this opinion is. But he says that the, how would they deal with the, the Gemara that you cut her open? You would say, the Kivan Shemesa, once she's dead, then we have a born object. Harehu Kiyelud especially as we said, it's in a later stage. So what's going on there is, is the baby is like he's born, and therefore, lav yerech imohu. So, in other words, if she still is not given, if she's alive, and she's even trying to, we know the birthing process has occurred, we still consider this fetus part of the mother according to the Ika uh, de Sphira. The fetus is dependent on the mother to live. The mother is still, even at the last stages of pregnancy, still feeding this child, still being connected. The child is getting its sustenance from the mother, and therefore the child is seen as just an extended limb of the mother, a thigh of the mother, a part of the mother. But when the mother dies, that stopped. And therefore, you can't say that, that that living thing is living based on fluids and nutrition and other blood flow that the mother is providing. The mother's death has, has caused that to come to an end. The da Talia. Once the mother dies, that baby, although probably should have, the mother should have lived a couple more minutes, but now that baby is on its own. Elachayhu, that baby is alive, more alive than had the mother been alive. If the mother is alive and brings the baby through the, and the mother pushes the baby through the birth canal, the baby, till it actually comes out of the birth canal, is a fetus. But this one, because the mother died in that birthing chair, and at this point, we know that that, that being is, is moving in something, and it's not dependent on the mother, so now it's a living thing. Complete, it almost gets complete total rights, but not totally. It's chaihu videlis ninelis befonov. It's like it's alive, and there's a door closed. So what's the chiddish? But it doesn't have a cheska de chiyusa. And that's the reason why you need Shmuel to tell you to bring the knife through Rishul Sarabin. And therefore we, but it's not, so this debate that the Ramban puts here seems to be, you have the Bahag on one side, and this Ika de Sfirale clearly disagrees with the Bahag. It's not the Ritzgeus, but they would say that the Bahag was wrong in saying it's about what we know about the miscarriage. It's about the woman. And therefore, it seems like these would be the primal um, positions, fetal positions, as it would be, that tell us about how we could, in a way, launch this debate over um, the status of what a fetus is. It would seem that according to the um, Bahag and the way the Ramban explains it, that it, you would you would be a lot more difficult to justify an abortion, according to the Ika, the second opinion, which is not found in the, at least I'm not sure who it is, that that would be a lot easier. If you say like the Ika, the sphere way, that basically a baby, even if though you can hear the heartbeat and other things, is essentially part of the mother, is essentially just an extended part of mom. And therefore, since it's a part of mom, as they say in this sort of euphemistic term, reproductive rights. 
<laughs> Again, I have to laugh at it because it's sort of a euphemism, right? I'm not I'm not weighing in here on the uh, on on what sh- what the psak should be. I mean, I have my personal opinion, but what I think the, you know what I'd like the law to be. But I, I'm just really commenting on the euphemistic way of saying it's a reproductive right to abort the fetus. It's not it's not a reproductive right. It's 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 a right not to reproduce. In other words, you can't force me to reproduce if I don't want to reproduce. Uh, I guess maybe that's what it means, but it's not it's not a reproductive right. But anyway, but that that side seems to again find some sort of justification, or at least here, in this Ramban. Now, this is a big mountain of law, but at least I think you see here how the Bahag has been uh, used to be one of the central opinions in that matter. Rabbi Kivalevich, one other question. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.